You're listening to the Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the Word. Welcome into the Bonfire Podcast, everyone. We're so glad that you're joining us this week for what is going to be uh, episode 10 or session 10 of the Blessed Assurance Podcast series. And so we're still here in 1 John. We'll be looking at 1 John 4, 7 through 21. That'll take us through the end of the chapter. And uh, we just, again, welcome you in uh, to, to the Bonfire Podcast. Uh, as we normally do, want to encourage you, as always, to uh, please subscribe and follow and like and do all of those things that we do have uh, requested of you to do on social media. You can find the Bonfire Podcast on pretty much any of the um, apps that are out there. So we're on Stitcher, we're on Google Podcast, we're on the, the iTunes Store, uh, we're on iHeartRadio. Uh, we're on Alexa. So if you can have a tune in app on your Alexa, you can say play the Bonefark podcast and we're there as well. So really you can get us anywhere uh, that you find your podcast content. You can also find us on our Facebook page. We load those videos every week there and then our YouTube channel as well. So uh, I would encourage you if you have not done so already, please subscribe so that you're getting the weekly content coming directly to you. And then if you would not mind, if you could just write write us a quick note, um, do a review um, on either the iTunes page or maybe our Facebook page, uh, that will help build um, our reputation uh, out there in computer land, as I like to call it, and uh, that will help us uh, become more credible um, as people search for podcast content. So I would just ask that you do that for us. Uh, today. And so, Dad, um, thanks for coming today and, and being sure, with me yeah. again. Uh, we're going to be talking about a s- topic that we've talked about several times before. Uh, we're going to be working with the subject of love again. And, um, you know, we've looked at uh, before as love being, um, love for the brethren being shown as a point of fellowship with God. We saw that in 1 John uh, chapter 2. Mm-hmm. And then we discussed it as being proof of sonship in 1 John uh, chapter 3. Mm-hmm. But in in today's uh, passage, we're really going to get down to the very foundation of what uh, love is. Today, we're going to discover why love is such an important part to the life of a Christian. You know, we've seen that love is a matter of light and darkness. We've seen love is a matter of life and death. And then today, it's going to all come together, all these repeating uh, topics of love, and really be summarized today for us of why love is so important. Right. And so as we're studying today, Dad, I really saw that John shared three foundational uh, facts about God as it pertains to love. And so as we're walking through this today, I think that will help our listeners uh, to kind of go through those facts um, that that John shares with us here in 1 John chapter 4. And so those three uh, facts are going to be based around a couple uh, or a few questions. One is, what is God? And then uh, the statement, what did God do? Um, and then the last is, what is God doing? Mm-hmm. And so those are the three things that we're going to be going through, and each one will help us uh, unpack a little bit more about what it means to be a true loving Christian and right. what God intends us uh, to be as, as, a, as a Christian. So we're going to get started, Dad, with the first one. It's what uh, God is, and that's going to be in verses 7 through 8. And so I'll read that to our listeners here. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And, you know, that's a a pretty powerful statement right there at the end Mm -hmm. uh, that John uses. We've studied uh, through 1 John, and we saw John say that God is light. Right. And uh, at one point we saw where John uh, said that God is spirit. Mm -hmm. But today, uh, John proclaims that God is love. Mm -hmm. And notice that John says that um, love is of God and God is love. So don't miss it. Um, 
that is it. Uh, all that we've talked about with love, John leads up to this foundational fact that God is love. It, it's a part of his very nature. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Dad, I just think that we need to stop and, and think about that just for a minute. When John was writing this um, to the, the, the group of believers that he was writing to in these ancient times, the thought that, that God is a loving God had to be kind of a revolutionary concept. Sure, it was. You know, because every other God during that time was a God that was to be feared, that it was a God that, you know, was uh, was angry and that you had to continually please. Mm-hmm. But John is saying that we have a loving God, a God who loves us. Right. Never would the people in pagan religions have declared that their God was a God of love. They would have declared that their God was a God to be feared, a God who could be angry with them. Like you was implying, it, it was a new thought in the world for men to declare God is love. Now, if you were to study all the religions of the world, religions such as Buddhism, Hinduism, and the Islamic religion, you would find out that of all the religions of the world— only the Christian gospel has the crystal clear definition, God is love. The only place in the world you'll find out the statement, God is love, is in the Bible and other books that have drawn from it. Let me give you an illustration. Years ago, a lady who prided herself to belong to the intelligentsia said to Dr. H.A. Ironside, I have no use for the Bible for Christian superstition, for religious dogma. It's enough for me to know God is love. Dr. Ironside said, well, do you know it? She said, why, of course I do. We all know that, and that's religion enough for me. I don't need the dogmas of the Bible. Dr. Ironside in turn asked, well, how did you find out that God is love? She said, why, everybody knows that. Dr. Ironside replied, do they know it yonder in India? That poor mother in distress, throwing her little babe into the holy Ganges to be eaten by filthy and repulsive crocodiles as a sacrifice for her sins? Does she know that God is love? The woman said, oh, well, she is ignorant and superstitious. Dr. Ironside went on to say, what about those poor people in the jungles of Africa bowing down to gods of wood and stone and in constant fear of their fetishes? The poor heathen in other countries, do they know that God is love? Perhaps not, she said, but in a civilized land, we all know it. Dr. Ironside went on to ask, but how is it that we know it? Who told us so? Where did we find it out? She said, I don't know what you mean, for I've always known it. To that, Dr. Ironside said, well, let me tell you this. No one in the world ever knew it until it was revealed in heaven and recorded in the Word of God. It is here and nowhere else. It is not found in all the literature of the ancients. Hey, folks, the Bible declares God is love. Our God is a loving God. A leading theologian was asked to declare his theology. He replied by saying, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. (laughs) You know, Dad, I was just thinking as as we were going through the scripture, you know, we've managed to pick up um, listeners from outside the U.S. Uh-huh. Uh, we're actually in about nine international countries um, at this point, in addition to that of the U.S., so 10 countries in total. And I just I think that there could be a listener out there that is in a country and of a culture where there is a God or there maybe there's multiple gods right. uh, that they refer to. And I just want to ask them, is your God a God of love? Mm-hmm. 
it, it, I just want to ask and, and, and have them think about that just for a minute. And the answer they're probably going to say is no. And I so I want to be the first to tell them that there is a God that is like that. He is the one true God. And I wonder, do they know him? Right. You know, my God isn't just a loving God. He is love. And mm-hmm. I think that's an important point that everyone that's listening today needs to think about that God is love. But, you know, Dad, it's not just any type of ordinary love mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, it's possible for non-believers to love, right? Uh, right. You know, they, a non-believer maybe loves their spouse or loves their children, mm-hmm. but that's not what we're talking about here. It, this is a love that is a holy love, an unconditional love, a, mm-hmm. a passionate, sacrificial love. Right. You know, really all that anyone knows about real love is rooted in the character and the nature of the Almighty God, mm-hmm. who's the originator, the origin, and the orchestrator of all things that is love. Right. You know, in these verses, Dad, John says that everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Mm-hmm. Therefore, love is a valid test of true Christian faith. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that before. As a, as a child of God has been born of God, therefore he shares the nature of God, right. and love is part of the nature of God. That's exactly right. It is a part of God's nature. You know, I don't care if you think you're uh, incapable of being loved or not. God loves you. I want you to listen to me. He loves you. Now, He doesn't love your sin, but He loves you with a real love. A great deal of what we call love today is not really love at all. It is artificial. It's superficial. A man says he loves a girl and insists that she marry him, yet she refuses him. And when she does, he takes a gun and shoots her. And he says, I did it because I loved her. Love to that man was lust, personal desire, selfishness. And that's what it is to a lot of people today. But the love of God is real. It thinks about the object which is loved, and not only about itself. It is willing to risk itself to be hurt, to be wounded, because it is totally self-effacing and selfless in character. God's love is genuine. It is hard to say that you really love if you don't love like God. True love is only from God. You know, Dad, and that's a great segue into the the next uh, fact, fund, fundamental fact about God, and that's what God did. And I want us to look at verses 9 through 11, and it says here, uh, in this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that he might that we might live through him in this is love not that we loved god but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins mm-hmm. beloved if god so loved us we ought to love one another and so uh, right here we see that because god is love he proved his love to us. And in what can only be described as the greatest expression of love that's ever been recorded throughout history, God sent his son to die. He died for me, he died for you, Dad, and he died for all of our listeners. That's right. You know, Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrated his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ manifested, or God manifested his love at the cross when he gave his son as a sacrifice for our sin. You know, and the amazing thing is that expression of, of love was not prompted by man's love to, mm-hmm. toward God. You know, God loved us first, and it was his love for man uh, that we see in verse 10 that is actually what caused him to send his son to die on the cross for our sins. That's right. I 
heard an illustration pertaining to a seminary professor and love. This one seminary professor who was quite strong on the theme of love in his class had a sidewalk paved one day. And while the sidewalk was still wet, a little neighborhood boy, not knowing this, uh, he just ran right through the cement and messed it all up. When the teacher found out about it, he really jumped on the little kid. The next day in class, the students who had found out about it really gave it to the professors. They said, all right, professor, you've been telling us that we ought to love one another, yet look how hard you were on that boy. The professor replied, it is like this. I love him in the abstract, but I do not love him in the cement. (laughs) And I told you that story out there in the podcast audience to point out this. The Bible doesn't say God is love to leave us thinking that God only loves in the abstract. He goes on to list the objects of his love and give instances of it. And the objects of his love is us. We are. And, you know, going down to verse 10 In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. You know, what's amazing to me, Matt, is that God loved us before we ever loved him. He loved us. He demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Romans 5, 8 says, the Bible definitely teaches that God loves sinners. And it goes into great detail to show what he did to demonstrate his love for him to complete Romans 5, 8, which I quoted a few seconds ago. Paul said, but God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the demonstration of it. That is the demonstration of love. And and that's something that I don't think we should take lightly to think about, you know, what man's response was to God. You know, mm-hmm. man in and of itself is is a sinful creature right and uh is an enmity with God and hates God uh-huh and and yet God saw through that and still said but I love him uh-huh. I love him enough to send my son to die for him and that that's just an amazing uh, thought that he proved his love to us mm-hmm. in that way you know as I was thinking about proving love I, I saw a, a story about a, a salvation army worker who proved their love and and I think it kind of fits in with what we're talking about here and this young lady was working for the Salvation Army and, and she was out doing homeless ministry and uh, she was working on the city streets and came to a corner and found this poor um, woman that was homeless and was laying there on the street and she went up to her and and, and said uh, ma'am we love you and the the woman who was laying there didn't even recognize right. or make any type of acknowledgement to what she said and she sat there for just a minute, and, and so then she leaned over, and she placed a, a small kiss on the cheek of the lady. And at that point, the lady just began to break down and, and to cry, and um, she agreed to go back to the mission with with this young lady. And so throughout time, she began to, to learn more about the things of God, and she opened up one day, and she told uh, this young lady, she said, you know, I didn't know what love was. Just saying love wasn't enough, but it was when you proved love that actually broke my heart. Right. And so for many of you out there, it may be one thing to hear that God loves you, and that may not stir you too much. It should, but it may not. Mm-hmm. But you should know that God proved his love to you, that he sent his son to die on the cross for your sins in the greatest expression of love, again, that's ever been recorded throughout history, and that should move you. 
That's right. You know, Dad, uh, John shares uh, two purposes for Christ's death, and we kind of hit those, but I want to go back and just touch on them once again. Mm -hmm. In verse 9, he tells us that the first purpose of Christ's death is that we may live through him. Mm -hmm. We must remember as sinners, we are all dead in our trespasses and sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it said the Bible clearly says that the wages of sin is death, and so for those of us uh, that are those who are listening who have not accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, there is only one outcome for them, and that is death. Right. And uh, but Jesus coming uh, to this earth and living a perfect life and giving His life on the cross made it possible that we may live through Him. That's right. And that we may have eternal life. And so now you and I who are believers, we don't worry about death because death is not the end for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually have life after death because of what Jesus did for us. Yeah, you know, Christ had to die that we might live. Uh, I know it's a very weird concept, but his, through his death came life. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the life that we have. And then verse 10, it tells us that the second purpose is that Christ's death was the propitiation of our sins. And, you know, we've discussed this term before. I think we looked at it maybe uh, back in chapter 3, uh, the term propitiation. But if you just go to Webster's and look up that word, you'll get a completely different uh, connotation of what's being said here. You know, it, it, it makes it sound as if we're looking at, um, you know, trying to appease an angry God. But that's not at all what the word propitiation means in the Bible. It, it means that we're fulfilling or that Jesus fulfilled a, a all-holy sacrifice that was satisfying unto the debt that was required. Right. Uh, it means something God uh, did to make it possible for us to be forgiven of our sins. And the word literally means to satisfy God's broken law. And that's what he did. You see, the law has always been the soul that sins shall die. And so Jesus came and he did for us what we could never do for ourselves. When he became our substitute, took all of our sins upon himself and died in our place. He had to be a human being to be our substitute and to be a fitting substitute. He could not have any sin as a human being or else he'd have to die for his own sin. So because he had no sin, he was able to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves and make it possible for us to be forgiven of our sins. You know, notice in verse 11, Dad, John uh, exhorts us again to love one another because of what Jesus did for us. Uh, You know, once we realize what we did or what uh, he did for us on the cross, our response ought to be that we love him and that we love others. Mm -hmm. We should love and serve out of appreciation for what Jesus did on the cross for us. Mm -hmm. You know, I always like to say that, um, you know, I'm not living the way I'm living to get saved. I'm living the way I'm living because I am saved, because Mm -hmm. there is a Savior who is worth serving, and that was Jesus Christ and what he came and he did for us. That's why it's important to reflect and remember on what God did for us. We should never forget the sacrifice that was made on that cross so long ago and that we should always uh, choose to serve and to love out of remembrance of what he did. Mm -hmm. You know, God's love is proclaimed in the word. You know, we talked about that. His love is proved by the cross and his love is perfected. And the believer, not angels, but sinners saved by grace. You know, angels, they don't know what it is to be a sinner, to be saved by grace. Mm -hmm. So, Dad, we've discovered what uh, God is. We've looked at what God uh, has done. But let's look at uh, the third fundamental fact, and that is what God is doing. And we're going to see that in verses 12 uh, through 16. And I'll read that to you here. It says, no one has seen God at any time. 
If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whosoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love of God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. You know, Dad, in, in this particular uh, section, it it's uh, it may seem a little peculiar. In these verses, we learn that Christians are are actually now the tabernacle and the temples, which where God dwells. You mm-hmm. know, at one point, uh, God, uh, if we go back all the way to the early history of the church and and, and of uh, the Jewish people, you know, God started in the Garden of Eden. He lived with. And, and dwelled with Adam and Eve, but then that right. was broken. And then um, ultimately there was uh, the Ark of the Covenant where uh, that was held inside the temple, and that was where God was to dwell. Mm. Um, but ever since uh, Jesus came to this earth, uh, God no longer dwells you know, in, inside the Ark of the Covenant or inside this temple. He dwells inside the temple that is you and me in, in, right. our, in our hearts. Mm-hmm. And his, now his love is revealed through us. And I think that's a very important point for us to to get behind and to see that John says that, you know, no one has seen God. And that may sound a little odd to be in this section. We're talking about love, but then all of a sudden he just drops out mm-hmm. that no one has seen God. But what I think uh, John is trying to get across to us um, is that the world uh, sees God through the lives of his children. Yeah, I've heard it said before that we are, as God's children, the only Bible that a lot of people will ever read. That's exactly right. And and when we have the love of God in our hearts and His Spirit working through us, our loving actions and attitude make the invisible God visible to the world. And Dad, you were just talking about we're the only Bible that some people read. I heard a story about um, a Navajo Indian uh, lady. She was, became uh, stricken with an illness, and because of uh, the way the the tribe culture was, they felt like she had done something, you know, wrong, and that that uh, God had brought some type of evilness on her. So her tribe neglected her, mm-hmm. and they left her out uh, in a in a deserted area, uh, basically to die. And there were some missionaries that were working with these Navajo Indians, and um, they ran across this lady and they found her. And they began to take her in, and they uh, nursed her uh, back to health. And there was a missionary doctor on the mission team there, and you know he worked with her continually to make sure that she was getting back uh, in, into her health and coming back around. And as she began to gain her strength and come back to her senses, mm-hmm. she asked over and over again, she's like, why did you do it? Why did you do it? Every chance she got when she would talk to someone of these missionaries, she would say, why did you do it? My own people left me out to die. Why did you do it? And every opportunity they had, they would make sure they brought it back to, well, it's the love of Jesus. It's the love that Jesus had for us and the love that is now in us that is portrayed to you. That's right. And they would just say that over and over. And they began to see that this young Navajo lady was becoming closer and closer to to understanding what it means uh, to have the love of Jesus in you. And so they brought in one of the the ministers that was there with the missionary team and and decided that right there in the hospital uh, room or the you know little um, uh, medic area where they 
they had been treating her, that they would uh, share with her the full story of the gospel and ask her if she was willing to accept Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And so uh-huh. that uh, a pastor came in and he was sharing the, the gospel with her and, and, and went to give her basically the invitation to see if she would accept Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And about that time, that Christian uh, missionary doctor came walking in the room and she looked over and she said, well, if this Jesus is anything like the man that just walked in the room, then I'll trust and follow him forever. And so that young missionary uh, doctor was being Jesus to this young lady. As you said, uh, she had never probably read a Bible at all, Mm -hmm. but that was the only Bible that she had was these missionaries and that missionary doctor that had nursed her back to health. Mm -hmm. And because of that, the actions that that they did, she came to know Christ. That's right. Boy, that's a great story. Jesus said the world will know that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. And I want to ask you out there today listening to this podcast, can people tell God is love by looking at your life? If you are a Christian, then you have the capacity to love those that don't even love you. The Bible says that God has shed abroad his love in our hearts as Christians. God lives in us through the Holy Spirit. We are his children. And as children, we take on the nature of our Heavenly Father, who is love. God is love. Can others see the love of Jesus in you? And if there's no love in your heart for someone, then Christ is not in your life. He's not in your life. That's one way you could tell if you're a born-again child of God. The Spirit of God lives in you, and He changes you. He gives you a new heart. He sheds abroad the love of Christ in your heart, and you love other people. And if you hate someone in your life, then you need to go back and you need to look closely and examine your relationship with God because you cannot hate people and know Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's exactly right. And for our listeners, I just encourage you to think about uh, people around you, people that you come in contact with each and every day that are in need. That is an opportunity for you to be a missionary. And it doesn't have to be anything major. It it can be something very small. And, you know, uh, Dad, I do my devotions early in the morning, every morning. And as part of one of the things that I I try to pray for each and every day is that God would give me an opportunity to fulfill uh, what he's called us to be. And that's light and salt to a a dark and dying world Mm -hmm. and and to help me be Jesus to somebody today. And that's really what all of us that are listening to this podcast and all believers should be doing. We should get up every morning and say, God, God, give me an opportunity to be Jesus to this world today and show that love uh, to somebody. And if you do that, you'll have an opportunity to really make an impact in the lives around you. Don't just go blindly through your day, going about your business, going to work, doing your errands, and just think that you're just living life. Mm -hmm. You need to be looking for opportunities to share the love of Jesus everywhere you go. That's exactly right. You know, Dad, we, uh, we've we looked at these fundamental facts uh, that John shares with us, but he kind of transitions as we get into the next verses and starts to talk about what perfected love looks like. And uh, so I just want to read verses 17 through 19 uh, with everyone. And it says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so we are in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. 
And so, Dad, you know, the key uh, phrase in this particular section is the word perfect. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, God wants to perfect in us his love for us and our love for him. That's, Mm -hmm. That's the end goal. Uh, when it comes to this love conversation that we're having today. Mm-hmm. And the word perfect comes with the idea of maturity and completeness. You know, God wants his uh, children to grow in their knowledge and their faith and ultimately in their love. Yeah. As we grow in our love for God, we cease to be fearful. You know, it's interesting, that Greek word for fear that John uses is phobia. You know, and that kind of comes into our language, phobia. There's all kind of phobias that people can have, like the fear of heights. I don't like uh, heights. Uh, the fear of water, the fear of being enclosed in places, the fear of judgment, uh, the fear of, of snakes. I mean, you go on. Now, if people are afraid, it is because something in the past haunts them or something in the present upsets them or something in the future that they feel threatens them. There's something out there. A believer in Jesus Christ does not have to fear the past, the present, or the future, for he has experienced the love of God, and this love, as you said, is being perfected in him day by day. A a Christian does not have to fear judgment because Christ has suffered his judgment for him on the cross. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We don't have to be afraid of the future because our sins were judged in Christ when he died on the cross. We don't have to be afraid of the past because he first loved us. From the beginning, our relationship was based on love. We don't have to fear the present because, as you said, perfect love cast out fear. And as we grow, then we will cease to be fearful as we grow in our love. Now, of course, there is a proper fear of God, but it is not the kind that produces, as you said, torment. A believer will have a reverential fear of God. You know, and as you were going through that, Dad, you were talking about fear, and John refers to one particular thing that sometimes people fear. Um, And he talks about the day of judgment. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he says, for those who love has been perfected, they will have boldness in the day of judgment. Right. But this day of judgment, we've got to talk about that because it is something that is so important. And and the Bible teaches us that uh, all men are appointed uh, once to die, and after that is the judgment. That comes from Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's right, listeners. Judgment day is coming. Right. And for many that are listening, uh, that are out there, if you don't know God, the very thought of standing before an all-holy God to give an account of everything that you've ever done strike fears in your heart. And But John is telling us that for those who are Christians, this, this fear of future judgment is not there um, because of the promise, Dad, that you talked about in Romans um, 8.1, that there is no uh, condemnation because we are in Christ. Mm-hmm. For Christians, judgment is not in the future, it's in the past. Uh, His sins have been judged already at the cross and will never be brought up again. And that's what produces boldness in a Christian. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm glad that I don't have to fear standing before the Lord to be judged for my sins. Thank God they've been judged at Calvary. That's exactly right. Now, notice, Dad, there, John says that love cast out fear. And 
And I just got to thinking about it. You, you mentioned the verse um, where a God's love is shed abroad across our, our hearts, right? Mm-hmm. And so God, as we become Christians, begins to pour love into our lives. Mm-hmm. And as we continue to grow in that love and, and we ultimately, if you can imagine our hearts being a container and our hearts are beginning to fill with love mm-hmm. and that just overflows and pushes out all the fear that's there. That's right. That's what John's trying to, to tell us there is that uh, that love cast out fear. And that's a pretty powerful statement. You know, for those of you who are listening that may be saying, well, you know, I, I'm one of those that fears uh, Judgment Day. I, I I don't know if I'm ready to to stand before God and give an account for my, for my life. I would just encourage them uh, to to know that there is a way that you can have this same satisfaction that that we do as Christians and not worrying about a day of judgment. We know that one day, yeah, we're still going to have to stand before God and, and give an testament of what we did with our Christian life uh, and how we served Him. But none of the things that we've done wrong in our past will be brought back up because that's under the blood. That's right. And it's an opportunity that you have today. All you have to do is to place your faith in Jesus Christ and and ask for Him to forgive you of your sins and turn away from those sins, and uh, you will be made. A whole, and you will be made righteous uh, and holy uh, with the one true God. And then you will have the same satisfaction as we are. There is no fear. There's no fear in judgment. There is no fear in death because we know uh, the promises that we have through our Lord Christ Jesus. That's exactly right. You know, Dad, in the closing chapters, uh, or closing of this chapter, John kind of summarizes the chapter and repeats um, his his command and his statement that uh, we need to love one another. And let's look here, uh, verses 20 and uh, 21. It says, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love the God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. And so again, you know, I got to thinking about it, Dad. Uh, when Jesus was was on the earth and during his earthly ministry, he talked about loving each other a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he told his disciples um, that they need to love one another. I can just see them sitting all around that table there in the upper room. And he says, you guys got to love each other. Uh, Jesus knew that once he was off this earth, that that's how the world was going to see God was through the lives of of his believers. And if mm-hmm. and if the believers can't love everybody, then you know what kind of testimony is that? And exactly right. John is telling us here that we we need to love everybody. We need to love our brothers. We need to love our sisters. We need to love those that are hard to love. And, you know, in this time of uh, turmoil in our country, we've got. Um, all kinds of just mess going on in the mm-hmm. streets. We've got uh, racial tensions. We've got social tensions. We've got uh, class warfare and all, all of these things. And, um, you know, Dad, the thing that just hurts me is I don't see the church standing up and being what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I don't see us loving everyone. And I, I really think that we need to think long and hard about, uh, you know, you can't say that you're a Christian and then harbor some anger and some aggression and some hatred for another man, right. regardless of where he came from, regardless of what he looks like, what color his skin is, you can't do it. you got to love everyone. That's what God commanded us to do. That's right. There's no room in our life uh, for prejudice. There's no room in our life for prejudice. We shouldn't give preferential treatment to other people because of the color of their skin or what they've got in the bank etc., what kind of house they live in. I mean, uh, every human being is an object of God's love, 
And and that's how we have to look at it. And and to win the world to Jesus Christ, we've got to love everybody the same. And we can do that. And the real child of God will do it. Not can do it, but will do it. That's right. And you may say, well, I, you know, I can't help it. It's hard. I, I just can't get over loving uh, this person or that person. I just can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that may be true in and of yourself. But if you're a child of God, remember, it's not you that's doing the loving. It's the love of God who's in you and is loving through you to that other person. His Spirit's going to come alongside you, and He's going to help you to love that person that you say that you can't love. Mm-hmm. And He's going to help you overcome um, you know, whatever thoughts you may have about another person. Uh, he's going to help you get through that. And so I would just encourage all of our listeners today as we're wrapping up the conversation of love is to, to know the statement that God is love. And because God is love, he proved his love to us, and he is now calling us to love. And when he calls us to love, that means we got to love everybody. It uh, doesn't matter who they are, where they came from, what color they are. you got to love everyone. And so I would just encourage all of you today to think about uh, your own love life, um, not, your, not your romantic love life, but your spiritual love life and your love life with other people. Are you loving people the way that God called us to do? And uh, if you're not, uh, John just calls you a liar. That's it right. just puts it very straightforward that you're a liar. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, Dad, that's a, a great wrap-up on love. I, I just think a uh, whole lot of uh, spiritual truths here that we all can can get from this. I learned a lot through this process, and I hope our listeners did too. And uh, we'll see them next time. If you would, just pray us out of here, please. Sure. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, O Lord, for loving us. And we want to let you know we love you. And, Lord, we know that one way that we can show you that we love you is by loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, loving each other, loving all people, because Jesus loved us before we ever loved him. Our Heavenly Father, we know with you that's possible, living in us. And, Lord, it certainly uh, makes us to be able to like ourselves even better when we can live a life of love. Now, Father in heaven, there's going to be some people that's listening to this podcast today that they feel like they're uh, unlovable. But, Lord, they're not unlovable. In spite of what their sin is, Lord, you love them, and Jesus died for them to pay the penalty for their sin. If they were the only one that was a sinner— I do believe, God, since you love us all, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. I believe that Jesus would have come and died for that one person. Show that person or those people today that feel unlovable that God does love them, that you love them. Help them, Lord, uh, to respond like that, that Navajo woman, Lord, to your love and to reach out and accept it. And, and then, Lord, to allow you to come into their life and change their life. I pray that there will be people today listening to this podcast that will acknowledge you as their Lord and Savior, turn away from their sins, asking Jesus to forgive them on the basis of what Jesus did on the cross and committing their life to serve him and to love like he loves. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonfire Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content. Also, be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode, feel free to email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com.